0: So glad you're here for the CMIT breakout. Um, Really excited for each of you here just to hear more about what the program has to offer. My name's Johnny, uh, Johnny Redman. I'm serving at Virginia Tech, Chi Alpha. And I've been the CMIT director for, uh, this is my third year officially, but I've been serving functionally in that role since 2019. So I've I've been in this role for a little while and it's been a great privilege. And really glad that all of you are at Salt. Because this has been a great salt. I don't know about you guys. Who's been here? Who's been salt before? Just a raise your hands. Okay. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, this has been a really amazing salt. The the message has been really on point. Um, and I even wanted to weave in one of the messages that um, that Pastor Destiny was was preaching earlier. Actually, the first one she talked about, which was, what is the story that that you're that you're a part of? What it, and she talked about like the idea of. Um, because we're in Christ, we have power to change the story that we're involved in. And not only that, but she talked about how changed people, people who have their story changed, change other people as well. That when your story is changed, it can help but also impact the story of other people around you. And I want to begin today by talking about what, what is the story that God has planned for your life? What is the goal that you have for your life? What What are God's plans and goals for your life? This is really important because many people come into college with a preset goal, and it's not necessarily bad. And I'm not saying that marketplace or anything not Kaiapha ministry is bad. Don't hear don't hear that when I say that. But understand that if you're given a goal that isn't God's goal for your life, then there's going to be some differences. And actually, according to scripture, those are pretty major differences. I just want to reference a, a few scriptures right now. So in, in Proverbs 14:12, it says that there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death, which I'm not trying to get really serious right now. <laughs> That's a really stark view Proverbs is very pithy like that, very, very short, like kind of jabbing remarks. But uh, there's a way that seems right to a person in their room, and it leads to death um meanwhile, like Romans 12:2 says on the other on the other hand, um, God's will is good, pleasing and perfect. It references God's will as good, pleasing and perfect. It doesn't mean that you don't have agreement with God's will at times in your life. you might have an idea and a goal and a dream that's really from the Lord. but isn't it worth testing the goals and the ideas that we have? to see if they really are from God, because if you don't, then at best, you miss out on good, pleasing, and perfect versus good. So you can have good, or you can have perfect. It's your choice. Or you can have, and that's that's in the best terms. Like our, our plans can really, you know, lead us down a really bad path. As Proverbs says, there's a plan, there's, a, there's an idea. There's a, um, a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. And so, once again, not trying to be dramatic, but I'm just phrasing it the way Scripture states it. And that's that we can have plans, but God also has His plans. And are we in agreement with God's plans for our lives? See, God has made each of us here so uniquely. Like Ephesians 2 said that we've been saved by grace through faith, apart from works, so that no one can boast, and that we are created in Christ for good works, which God planned ahead of time for us. That's each and every single one of you is a unique workmanship from God in Christ. And you have a unique plan for your life from the Father. And this is so interesting because every single one of us here is unique, right? God's made each of us unique. He's the the most uh, creative being in existence. God invented creativity. That's how creative God is. And yet we have different experiences. We have different personalities, different values. But how, how often do many of us go through the stream of public education and get cultured and get conditioned by the world around us and we end up looking the same? How did that happen? How did that happen where God made us completely uniquely, yet now we're so different? And so I just want everyone, at the very least, maybe you come out of this program, out of this session and think, oh, well, the CMIT program sounds horrible. That's definitely not for me cool as long as uh, as long as i help you see uh, what like what it means to challenge your goals in life and like actually pursue those goals and pursue ideas and goals that are actually worth pursuing then great that's awesome i'm good i'm good with that so what are the goals that you have for your life and are they from the lord and so if you can go to the next slide please so, Paul talks about this idea in 1 Corinthians about um, that I was reading. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So, run that you may obtain it. Every athlete ex- exercises self control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So, I do not run it aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. First Corinthians 9, 24-27. So let's let's unpack this a little bit. What are some thoughts that people have about this passage? What What is Paul saying here? Yeah. Uh,
1: so this was actually, you brought up in another breakout um, just about being purposeful. They were using this in reference, like, how purposeful we need to uh, hear our lives and, like, make our decisions and make sure they're not, like, just lofty or they're not like pointless. So I would say, like, that's kind of a main theme of, of the verse, just making sure, like, we're fighting for the right causes and we're, like, you know, lives of, on for the right reasons. Yeah, was that living missionally? Um, or was that the mega session yesterday?
0: It might have been driving um, in the next season. Yeah. Okay, one of the mega sessions, got it. Cool. So yeah, live purposely. purposefully, purposefully. be purposeful with every step that you take, recognizing that the direction you choose determines where you end up. That's good. Any other thoughts? Okay. But yeah, that's so important. So we talked about this first part, that sometimes the goal, we have trouble choosing the goals. We have problems choosing the right goal inside of life. We get handed a goal, I just go into college thinking I'm going to do X, X. And then that, that seems great to me, but it's not God's plan for my life. So we have a problem with choosing our goals sometimes. Are they really God's goals for our lives? Are they really God's plan for our lives? But then also, we, we run into problems with actually pursuing after those goals. See, some of us have great dreams. Some of us are dreamers. But maybe we lack the grit and the discipline to, to get these things going, to go from dream to reality. And so these are two sides of the same coin to moving from dream to reality. You need to actually have a dream worth pursuing, and hopefully that's God's dream for your life. Hopefully that's God's plan for your life. But then also we need the grit, the, the discipline, the training that it takes to move in the direction of where God's calling us, right? And so that's what I want us to see today as we step into um, like talking about the CMIT program. And so... Yeah, if you, if your goal is to make disciples, you gotta start by being a disciple. You have to start by being a disciple and then gain some experience discipling other people. If you wanna start making disciples, you have to actually eventually start doing that. And then the first way to do that is being discipled yourself. If you have a goal of communicating, articulating the faith to people. You need to have the faith articulated to you. You need to think about it. You need to ponder it. And then you need to grow in, in stepping out in that. It's okay to fail. It's okay to grow. If you want to lead others to Jesus, you need to invest in your faith walk and start sharing, with Je- sharing Jesus with others. It's the natural course of life. We have a dream, but we have to start preparing for what, the, what it takes to accomplish that dream and take steps towards moving towards the accomplishing of that. If you can go to the next slide. So those are some reasons why uh, training is super necessary. So I'm getting towards this idea of what the CMIT is going towards with with this keyword, training. Here's another why behind the CMIT program, really big reason why the CMIT program is important. One of the things that's that's happening inside the United States, as you can see, so this is a 2019 survey done right before the pandemic. So who knows what even happened after the pandemic. I think it has spiked up or gone to I have no clue what happened after the pandemic. I mean, you hear stories of, like, God breaking out in crazy ways. But you also hear about people and see people who really fell away in their faith during the pandemic. But either way, these are the numbers that are in. Pew Research, one of the leading statisticians on religion in the United States. You can see a steady decline, basically an all-time low, of number of Christians, people who identify as Christian in the United States. 63%. And the headline is actually this, this middle line which is this group called the nuns, which is not N-U-N-S, like religious nuns, but they're religious N-O-N-E-S, nuns. They don't identify as anything. So when they're asked, what religion are you? At most, they're spiritual, but many people are just like, no, that's not really important to me. I don't think about those questions. And that group is continuing to rise at a rapid pace, even maybe a slightly greater slope greater greater increase than the decline of Christians in the United States. Christianity in every generation is one generation from extinction, technically. It's a a relationally transmitted faith. It's something that's passed down from one group to another. Not necessarily by blood, but the point is, if we don't make cycles, then that thing's going to continue to go down. Um... And that's a scary reality, and we see the fruits of that even in our nation. We see that with the decaying moral compass of people around us. We see that with so many effects on people. what happens when people are distant from God. That's a why, or why we should care about uh, reaching out to the campus and perhaps maybe pursue a CMIT program. This is also possibly a lot a little bit higher than um, um, that is accurate, because when you actually pull Americans about how many people pray daily, that number is a lot less than even people who identify as Christian. And you ask people who, who attend a, a weekly worship gathering, and that number is also less than 63%, meaning that not all those Christians are active in community. Even the number is less for people who say that religion is very important in their lives. Which is arguably like, that should be a Christian answer, actually, that question. How important is your relationship with God? And, important, I guess. <laughs> that's not a very reassuring answer. So that's, that's actually a pretty high number. Um, so there's a lot of problems that we see.
1: People have a lot of goals. Those are normally
0: identifiable and easy to identify. The problem comes when we actually want to pursue them. This is a very identifiable problem. It's a hard solution to actually, it's an easy solution to identify, it's an easy solution to make a plan for but it's a hard solution to actually go about changing. And isn't that most of our life problems, too? Most of our goals in life. And so if we can go to the next slide. So here's some more whys of the internship. So we see a need. But what can the internship do for you? And I want to go back to one idea, ideas I mentioned earlier, which is there's not a JV calling it God. Just because you're called into ministry or vocational ministry of some kind doesn't mean you're better than someone else. Or if you're called into the marketplace, it doesn't mean you're, you're lower than someone else. But the internship can be a great way to train you for whatever field you're going into. If we actually go to the second point first, um, you can pre- it prepares students and alumni to serve in the local church with the best heart, mind, body, and soul. The only reason I actually did the internship was because I was planning on getting an engineering job after, And the guy who was graduating the internship before me was doing the exact same thing and was actually doing that. And then at the end, I asked him, oh, was this a waste of time for you? Like, honestly, was this worth your time? And he was talking about how he was built in his faith and how confident he felt to be used by the Lord in the marketplace. And so, you know, young Johnny was like, oh, man, that sounds great. I'm going to do that. And then I got called into the ministry full time. Um, And that's not like a bad thing. It's just that I found what God was calling me to do. And so once again... Be challenged in what you think God is, is calling you to do with your life. Don't automatically take the goal that's been handed to you and then get yourself filtered down and become less of a of a of a, of a unique individual that God has created you to be. Maybe God has a purpose for you that isn't exactly the same as anyone else around you. And it might take a, a season of discovery and a season of training and a season of stepping out of the, the, the path that you've been on to figure out what that goal is what that dream is what is that plan that God has for your life so it's going to train your, your heart mind heart heart mind body and soul. it's also going to provide accountability oversight spiritual direction encouragement and continued discipleship. It's a great opportunity to grow in all these ways. you'll be, you'll be pushed in your internship it's difficult but it's worthwhile. It's really a great opportunity to be, to be discipled by people who have been in ministry for a while, who have uh, gone through the season that you'll be stepping into post-college, which is a season of transition and difficulty oftentimes. It's because you've been in the education stream your whole life, and now you're moving into something completely different. But now, you'll have people who will help you in that season. And um, so that's something i will be a great part of that. It also cancels the second-class citizens mindset. Something I've mentioned a couple times now. That people like in the Bible, Daniel and Joseph, they were not vocational. They were not vocational ministry. They weren't like Moses, just kind of like leading the people in the wilderness and like hearing from God all day and that like to like you know give laws to people. They were working for like secular people in a secular setting, and yet being used mightily by God. And you can be raised up and equipped in those ways to be sent out with greater confidence and greater greater skills, greater ability to articulate your faith and be able to pour into other people, be abused in the body of Christ where you go through an internship. And I, I want everyone here to know that, that you can walk out in confidence regardless of what your calling is. But if you do feel like your calling is ministry or missions of some kind, please do the internship, please. There's so many reasons that we could go into beyond the scope of this, of why it's so important. That's the number one reason why it's here. CMIT, so we talked about the T portion of that training, stands for Campus Missionary and Training. That's what the program is for. It's meant to train future campus missionaries, people who work on a campus, a secular college campus setting. But it's also good for people who are interested in uh, um, missions abroad or working in the local church, these are great ways that uh, can, you can use your MIT program. I'll say that Live Dead has constantly like affirmed the internship and been like, please do an internship before coming here. Um, at least a lot of people that I've talked with, because there are multiple shocks that happen when you go after college, when you step out of college into um, like life after college, and that one is just a maturity crisis where you become self-aware and you have, like, you realize that, oh man, I'm such a flawed person, and I have a lot of issues I need to work out, and life is hard, and there are bills to pay, and this is difficult, and I don't have like, weekly deadlines and structure that school has provided me with. It's different, it's new, and it's hard. Um, and so that's a life change that happens after college that um, is something that the internship can help you walk through. But then pair that with, if you're in, a, in an overseas setting with culture shock at the same time, then it becomes really hard. Because then you miss your food and your family and like people speaking the same language as you and all these things. And so like that's why I lived at missionaries to like affirm the internship and be like, don't give them both those shocks at once. Let them have the first shock and then the second one. Um, so those are all reasons why the internship's are so important. So if we can go to this next slide, here's just kind of a, the, the national promo for the internship program. You want to just quit that and go into the PowerPoint, but don't forget to go it. No, we're about to make it. Okay. All right, well, sorry about that being really choppy. <laughs> really bad. Um, you can watch that in your spare time after this, uh, but it's on kind of the CMIT website. There's a promo. You can also go on our YouTube channel and see that. Um, what is the CMIT program? Like I said, it's a C- campus missionary training program. If we go to the next slide, here's the blurb that Kai Alpha puts out about the national training program. It's a nine to 12 month training program that's meant to develop people in their character competencies to serve in a career in vocational ministry in a secular university setting. So that's what it's specifically meant for. So if that's you, if you feel like you wanna do what people in Kai Alpha are doing, that's a great opportunity. This is the only way to really like step into that. It's the best way to step into that. Um, you're also gonna grow in biblical and practical ministry experience. So you're going to get trained in the Bible, you're going to get trained in theology, you're going to get trained in ministry, which is really awesome, and then you're going to be poured into one-on-one through mentorship, through, so one-on-one mentorship with other staff members who have gone through what you're stepping into. And so it's really an amazing opportunity if you want to be fruitful for God in a ministry setting on a secular campus. Um, and then, once again, it, it spreads out into other areas as well, it's useful for other things as well. Um, can we go to the next slide? So there, there's a brief bit of what at the CMIT. We're going to get more into the kind of the minutia of the CMIT program later. I don't want to bore you guys with that right now, but I think people have questions about it. But here's how you do the CMIT program. Here's how you get into it. So requirements, you have to, be, you have, to have a bachelor's degree. I think you can also have an associate's, and that's fine. Uh, technically, if you're 23 or older, you don't need either. That's what the asterisk is for. Uh, and that's just because we don't need parents saying to, our, to their children, you made my kid drop out of college for the CMIT program? Because that's so many people actually try to do that. <laughs> don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, none of the people here that, that have tried to do that are, are here. So good for you. Finish college. Um, you need to be willing to commit 9 to 12 months, if not longer. Some programs are even two years. But um, you need to be willing to commit 9 to 12 months to do an internship program that's just part of the course. You'd be willing to raise, willing and able, to raise a full financial support required. So you don't get paid for an internship. Um, some people sadly don't know that stepping into it. That's a very small minority of people, but some people uh, yeah, have no clue that you don't get paid and you have to raise money to do that. So you not only have to be willing to do that, you have to actually be fully funded, and then you can begin your internship. So that's like a prerequisite to it, which we can talk more about support raising questions you all might have at the end of this. You have to be willing to work on a secular university. I don't know why you'd apply for the internship if you did if you weren't. And then um, you have to be willing to be challenged to work hard to grow. And I want to sit on this point for a little bit because it's super important. I'm gonna be doing your CMIT directors a huge favor and you a huge favor. So please listen. The CMIT program is meant to bless you, but it's also meant for you to be a blessing. And there's a tension between those two ideas, and you need to embrace attention tension in a healthy way and not straight to either end of that. So what I mean by that is people go into the internship program either, either probably leaning more in one direction and thinking, oh man, this is meant to train me, this is meant to build me up, this is meant to help me so much, and it's true, but when it's hard, you might not feel super blessed. You might not feel blessed when students don't like you. You might not feel blessed when your mentor is calling you on some stuff in your life because they love you might not feel blessed when you have to embrace the discipline of the cmit program just realize that is for you um, it's not meant to hurt you and that ultimately is a blessing to you and like scripture says no discipline in the moment is is pleasurable is easy but in the long run we're thankful for it because it's meant for good purpose um, so recognize the internships for you but it doesn't mean it always be easy but then also the blessing you're meant to be a blessing and so some people want to like want to have a huge impact on campus. And they want to do all these amazing things and plan all these events. And, like, oh man, I'm ready to like, shape what my God what looks like. Whoa, hold up. You have been here how many months and you want to do what? <laughs> like, some people really step on it. It's like, first week, I want to change this and that. It's like, no. You can't do that. You've been here for a week. You don't know much about campus ministry. There's a lot of reasons why your idea doesn't make sense. And that's not trying to be dismissive or offensive. It's just... Hold your horses, you're meant to be a blessing, but under the leadership of the people you're there with. This is also really hard if you go to another school to do your CMIT program, just recognize there are some differences between the cultures of different offices, and that's okay. That's actually one of the enriching things of going to another school, is you can learn from their perspective, don't try to change it at first, okay? So it's meant to bless you, but it's meant for you to be a blessing. There's a tension between those two things. If you can embrace the tension and find a healthy place those two things, and that's great. Another thing is that the internship's hard, but it's not as hard as it can be. It's as hard as it needs to be. I'll say that again. The internship is is hard. It's not as hard as it can be, but it's as hard as it needs to be. This is really important. Your CMIT director is not trying to torture you. Your CMIT director is not trying to overwork you. They're trying to give you an accurate picture of what campus ministry looks like and actually preparing. I would hate for MIT to get through the internship and then think, oh, man, I just love ministry because, like, it's just the funnest thing in the world, and it, I just get to be with Jesus all day, and, like, there's no problems ever, and it's the, the happiest place on earth. And there's a lot of truth in that, but there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of smoke in that perspective. That person did not have a real experience in campus ministry. And yes, ministry is incredibly fun. Yes, you get to abide with the Lord, that's awesome. Yes, it's super fulfilling, but it has challenges like every other field of work does. And so we wanna give you a real picture of what it looks like so that we don't give you a false perspective and then you move into a more committed role and then you're like, "What, what is this? Or like not know what you're doing or not be willing to embrace the challenges of it, not be able to embrace the challenges of it. So the attitude that we come in with is what's the most important thing? What's the greatest determiner of success? Of the C M I T, and so if you think you can have a good attitude in that, then the CMIT is for you. Um, it's challenging, but it's worth it. It's so worth it. Next slide. So now getting into the what, we're going diving deeper into this um, the statement that was made earlier. So Kaiapa, we believe you probably heard this before, is the most strategic mission field on the earth. It's because we're working with the next generation. We're working with people who are future influencers. We're working with people on the university. And through the university being transformed, the marketplace is transformed, and the world is transformed. But also, that requires people who are transformed to be able to help transform other people. Transform people, transform other people. And so, you need to go through a process of transformation yourself, and that's what that training and CMIT program is designed to help you do. And there's three components that this kind of breaks down to is the, the knowledge portion the of theological and biblical studies, the ministry training, and the personal mentoring. And so it's going to be an amazing opportunity to grow in your your Bible literacy, in your theological literacy, it's so important, um, especially in a generation that's increasingly growing up without biblical influence. This is this is so important to grow in. In terms of uh, your ministry skills, it's just going to help you know how to do everything basically in ministry. It's going to give you at least some experience in basically everything in ministry, from like, how do you even set up the sound stuff, to, yeah, you saw that, am not very good at that. so like, I have um, very little experience in that, like how do you set up sound equipment, how do you run a large group, how do you run a small group, how do you disciple students, how do you um, do outreach and evangelism, things like that. And then you have personal development, which is, once again, that one-on-one mentorship with your mentor. And it's meant to, uh, to grow you and give you accountability, help you grow in your spiritual disciplines, and things like that. Uh, next slide. And here's some bullet points just to kind of break down even more some of these ideas of what happens in the internship. So it's your first full-time job, most likely. It'll give you experience there. And you'll have, once again, accountability, encouragement, spiritual oversight. We know this. It's gonna help you internalize and synthesize your self-awareness, your awareness of others, and your awareness of God. Really important, this is one of the things that people grow in most after college, is your self-awareness, um, because you're given roles where people put a mirror to your face a lot, and in the secular world, that's not always in a nice way, but here it's a nice way, it's like meant to help you. Um, and so you become more aware of what you're, what you're good at, what you're not. Um, where, you're, where you're strong, where you're weak, what you're passionate about, what you're not. And those are all really growing opportunities. And you'll be able to work on a team most likely, at the very least with other staff, if not other interns who are there along with you. And that's gonna help you grow an awareness of what's going on with your team and self, um, and like your dynamics with them. And then also growing an awareness of what God's doing. Being in a place where you're constantly having to rely on the Holy Spirit is super important. Um, And it's going to help you cultivate a consistent prayer life and a continual prayer life with God where you're communing with him and seeking him. You're going to be challenged and held accountable with regard to self-care. So um, we'll talk more about this, but there are different routines of self-care and things there for you in the internship that are meant to help you lead for the long haul in campus ministry. And so um, that's something that you'll be held accountable for. You'll also... uh, Realize that discipleship and mission are not just roles, but they're a lifestyle. That's probably one of the hardest things that is caught in ministry. It's really not taught. It's really caught. It's really a lifestyle that you just begin to walk in. And it's probably the hardest thing you'll experience about the internship where you realize your time is not your own and your resources aren't your own. And these others, like so many things, the way that we used to live our lives in a selfish way are kind of broken down. And that's a hard thing, but it's a really great thing. It's a good thing. Um, and lastly, interns will gain basic ministry knowledge, and theological knowledge, ethics, character development, and be provided with critical feedback. And so if we can go to the last slide right here. So here's kind of a breakdown of a general scheduled internship. So this is a 55-hour week. That's on average what it looks like, which is more full-time job, uh, but that is realistic. So like I'm not trying to underplay it for you. So those are just, those are just three, break, three things again, supervised ministry, Prescribed study program and personal development—three components of every internship—and you'll see the hour breakdown of each of those generally, and you'll see ideas. Excuse me, um, things that you do inside of each of those break. Those three sections of the CMIT program that um, are pretty normal. So one-on-ones, large group, small group, evangelism conferences, church attendance, staff planning meetings—a lot of those—and you've got things like global university courses, which are things that will help you become um, qualified for ministry credentials after a um, after an internship completion, so get that reverend title, um, theological foundations, critical campus ministry issues, so issues like um, yeah. homosexuality, issues like why is the Bible true, issues like um, world religions, like things you'll be inter- interacting with in a campus ministry setting, So critical campus ministry issues, and then personal development. Being personally mentored, spiritual development, like your abiding life, your fasting, your praying, your worship life, things like those will be invested in. Uh, Exercise is actually something in internship. Our internship, we do four days a week at CrossFit. That's not normal, but that's what ours does. Um, And then support maintenance, financial management, organization time management, these are all things that are a part of your internship experience. So it's a pretty well-rounded experience, a lot of training in a lot of areas that you might not have expected, um, but it's meant to give a holistic approach to like your development. Once again, it's your your body, soul, mind, and your heart being invested in in different ways, and it's meant to produce a more whole person coming out of the program in every respect. And so we can go to this, this last slide. If you want to apply, there's a link, or you can just search Hi Alpha CMIT, and it's the first link that will come up on Google, and there's an application link. Applications are open for early bird until February 15th, at which point they increase in price, and they close officially on April 1st. Um, So that's the end before I get to some questions. So um, I'm sure people came in with questions about what the internship looks like. Um, Anything. I'd love to answer your questions.
1: Yeah. Global university courses, mm-hmm. bringing up how that can, um, you said something about, you know, probably from what you said about, I wrote down the phrase.
0: Oh, um, big game credential.
1: Yeah, because yeah. more just about that, I don't know if I have exact questions, but like, I want to I kind of go a bit more like, how this, how this can lead to that.
0: Yeah, so everyone who finishes an internship becomes qualified for ministry credentials. That doesn't get you the credentials, it gives you the qualifications for credentials. So that means you've finished all the um, experiences and coursework that are the first level of study for ministry credentials with the Assemblies of God. So you can then interview with your district leadership and say, hey, I'd like to apply with apply for the first level of ministry credentials, how do I do that? They'll send you like a study guide for a test that you'll have to take and they'll say, come before I said such and such time for an interview. If you pass both of those things, then you get credential, And what that means is you hold a ministry credential so you can officially marry and marry people. Yeah. And that's one step closer to actually being able to run your own tie offer. You actually technically have to at least be on the way to licensed, if not licensed and nationally appointed to be running your own tie offer. Um, other than that, uh, there are some financial Dimensions that change with being credentialed as well, but that's like a separate topic. Does that help? Yeah, that's kind of sparked another question, just about like support raising, fundraising, like yeah. You're talking about kind of speaking a little bit more on that. Sure, I'd love to. So uh, there are two different components to a budget that every MIT has to raise. One is the internship fee. Which depends on your local CMIT chapter you're attending. And that's to cover things like your conferences, your textbooks, um, other fees that are like handled by the ministry and that are ultimately meant to help you like save money. Like for example, I buy all my interns' textbooks at once, and that saves us on shipping, but also gives us bulk rates sometimes, depending on the number of interns there in the class. So I can get a better deal than the interns buying it for themselves, plus they don't have to worry about it. So every CMIT program for the most part, has an internship fee, and so you have to figure that out from the CMIT program that you're applying to, what, um, what their fee is. And you can apply for three in one application. So you have three choices, and you'll get details back from each of them, most likely. And uh, the second component is your personal budget, which is a monthly budget that you raise, and so the default budget, I believe, has just been uh, made the same for married and non-married, uh, which is interesting. Uh, they treat the two as one flesh, literally. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's it's two thousand minimum, I believe, is like the minimum minimum for an intern to be like at eighty five percent, which is like technically not supposed to go for that. Go for one hundred, please do that. There's a lot of problems that happen with not raising the full budget to so like twenty five hundred a month, but you can always apply for a high budget, and so you can get a raise, but you have to raise your raise, and so you raise your money by reaching out to churches, well, churches you know, uh, friends and family, or random people. And so that's a really fun adventure in and of itself. It's a really cool faith-building opportunity that a lot of interns have to walk through. It's usually a hard thing because people don't like asking other people for money, and that feels weird. And so it's a growing experience, but it's a really faith-building one. So if you've ever raised support for a mission trip, it's like that, but you have to raise a monthly budget. So like instead of being like, hey, do you want to give to my, to my trip? Like, hey, would you like to support my ministry? How much would you like to support me per month? Yeah.
1: So you do it before the
0: internship. That's a great question. All of it. So you get people on a monthly commitment um, before the internship. And so that's how you generally raise it. You can raise everything one time, but they really discourage that. So, like, you could, like, raise a bulk sum of your money and it just kind of get dispersed to you throughout the, throughout the year. But they really push towards monthly. Yeah? Um, so, what's the timeline between... Raising and starting? Yeah, like, when the
1: applications are due and then, like, raising money and then, like, starting. Fantastic question.
0: So, it depends on when you get your application in as to when your account opened with national office. So, that's one thing you need to understand is that... The money is not given to you because you are not a nonprofit, nor are you uh, able to give someone a tax write-off as a charitable, you're not a charitable um, organization, and so it goes to the Assembly of God in Missouri, but then it gets dispersed to you, and it's done that way so that they manage your finances. It's also giving you oversight so that they know you're fully funded, but also so that they send, they take care of all the receipts to people and they send that to people during tax time so you don't have to worry about any of that. So they send them all their information on like, um, uh, how how much you've given for the years, how much you can write off your taxes. So um, going back to your question though, because I was referencing, it depends on when you apply for when your account that I was just talking about is opened. So it takes some time between getting submitted to your application getting seen to an account opening. So if you're, if you're approved, then your account will be opened in probably three to six weeks after applying. And then you have from that time until usually about August 1st, at least that's when our program starts. But about August is when programs start. So if you get it in now, uh, let's see. So we are in the first week of, of January, so one, two, three, four, six. So you can have all the way from mid, February, that's like really early uh, to like, and that's maybe a little bit early, uh, to, to like August to raise your funds. But it really depends on when you get your stuff raised and how many people, will, uh, sorry, when you get your application submitted and how many people are applying, because that determines how quickly they're seeing applications and things like that. So applying earlier is better because one, you save money, and two, um, you have a higher chance of getting your account open earlier.
1: Yeah?
0: Um, I understand like, this is like a full-time job and everything,
1: but mm-hmm. I was wondering if you're like, allowed to like, have a part-time job? Fantastic question. Yeah, so
0: officially not. Uh, you're not. Um, and for the most part, there's really no way to with that. And it's just because the internship, the time requirements that you saw are pretty demanding, and it's just for your own health. Not only that, but a lot of times, people who have two forms of income Really, use that because they didn't raise the full, full funds. When you have everything available to you, theoretically, to raise the budget. Um, and there are like thousands of missionaries who raise their funds and who are provided for by the Lord. And specifically for our internship program, we've never had an intern well, who wanted to come in, not get fully funded, and be able to not start their internship. So they may have had to start like a month late. But like every single person who has pursued fundraising and not quit, like not, um, not dropped out and decided they didn't want to do an internship, which is normally pretty early in the game, then um, they've raised their budget. Uh, you can also apply for a grant if uh, you're a minority student. So there's a Minority mo- Mobilization Fund, the MMF, MMF Fund, uh, something else you can apply for. And uh, that is to cover, I believe, 10% of a budget, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that goes to the most qualified candidates. And there's like an application process and everything, which um, you can look online on the CHI Office CMIT, or reach out to the CMIT director that you're applying to, and they can give you more information about that. Because you actually need your CMIT director to be involved in the application process. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, a
1: different question. Yeah. Someone's like signed up, came in. Like in your time
0: of work, like uh, what's the average latest? Like earliest? I mean, I have applications already submitted. Uh, so now I've had the application submitted since like uh, November, and that's because they had early access. So that's the earliest I've ever seen. It's like some November. The latest I've seen officially uh, is. Uh, I mean basically the night before April 1st and then like getting approved and everything like end of May Which is that's a quick turnaround so yeah, and mine went too far from that. Mine, I applied like March so It's possible. Yeah to raise a budget in that time I'd prefer more time for all of you to have uh, and really once again pursue the highest budget you can uh, it really adds a lot of stress when you don't have a good budget, when you're not fully raised, or when you have a budget that doesn't meet your needs. I've um, I've had interns before who have just taken the lowest budget and that was such a silly move because like they've been married and the married budget sometimes hard. And so they need to apply for a higher budget based on like different uh, payments they're making and uh, it's added a lot of stress to their internship. And so really examine your budget and see what you need. Uh, actually can make a budget. This is how much I want to save every month. This is how much my food spending costs. This is how much my utilities and rent will cost. And see if the budget will work for you. If you are married, like,
1: does your spouse also have
0: to go through the full range as well? With you? No, uh, they, they do not.
1: why not you just go Yeah. Um, where, so is the housing, like I know it's really different for you know, like, each campus, but. Is, like, housing, like, you have to get your own housing, or...? Mm-hmm. It
0: it? Yeah, so, I don't really know any internships that have a central place of housing that's, like, ministry-owned. Yeah. There are sometimes organizing, like, there's sometimes some organizing that happens, where we'll try to help pair interns up. Especially, like, we want to look out, like, at BT we want to really work, look out for people who are coming in from outside. And make sure that they have other people who they know that we can help pair them with so that they have roommates not just random people that they're living with we try at least doesn't noise work out um, so the best that you usually get is some sort of organizational effort that's trying to group other interns especially together that's usually the best when you live with other interns so it's like the
1: um like the campus kind of helps with that. we're not just like on our own like reach, reach out to your CMIT director, okay. And
0: it depends on your CMIT director whether they think that that's hand holding or not. Okay, um, yeah. yeah, for our campus, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, okay. yeah. so this whole
1: support raising um, mm-hmm. uh, is there any type of help that you know, like a framework? Yes, support raising, like,
0: yeah. So, yeah, perfect question. So there are some things that happen after you apply. First thing is to go to support raising training. And there are multiple of those that happen around the country. So as soon as you apply, you need to, and maybe even before, depending on like when you actually, I think I did my SRT before I even applied. And then I applied after my SRT. Uh, so it depends on where you are in the country as to where you'll attend. So for example, um, this might not mean anything geographically to anyone who's not from Virginia, but like, I went to school in Blacksburg, Virginia, which is like the the like the tip of the triangle kind of, of Virginia. And the SRT was in Charlottesville, where UVA is. So that's like further up the Spine, Virginia, kind of a little bit central. And so that's how close it was for me. So that's like two hours away, an hour and a half. And um, so that's the closest one for me. Some people, that's normally about what it takes either like somewhere between one and three hours away, and they even have virtual ones now. Um, I'd recommend an in person one. Uh, we've had enough Zoom calls for our lifetime. And then uh, uh, you'll go to that, and it's just usually a weekend. And they train you on how to, how to raise support, how to brainstorm contacts, how to engage in meetings with people. Like when you get a meeting with someone, and you sit down with them, like your neighbor from your childhood home, like hey, I wanna talk with you about this. How do you even engage in a conversation with them? How do you even reach out to them at first? These are questions that are answered and you're getting equipped through SRT. And then the second thing after that is RUI, which is Reaching the University Institute. And that happens relatively close to the beginning of your internship. And that's usually in June sometime, and that's actually in Missouri in Springfield, which is where the National Office for Chi Alpha is. And that's a whole week that's meant to kind of train you giving you a primer, kind of, before you step into your your internship. <laughs> kind of, what is your internship going to look like? What do you need to know to do an internship? So it's, it's more things to help equip you, kind of like this time. Yeah? Um, I'm pretty sure
1: you already said this, but like just to clarify. Uh, do you get to choose,
0: like, what campus you're put on? And was that, like, a three choices? Yeah, so you have a, you have a say. So, you have, so what happens is you send in an application to national with three choices on it. And the first level it has to pass through is whether or not it gets approved by national office. So if national office says this is going to be a good thing for you to do the internship, then you'll get approved. And then you'll get sent to those three campuses. If they deny you, then they say this wouldn't be a good thing for you to do the internship, we will stop right there. I won't hear about an application. Uh, or whoever you apply for won't hear about an application yes. and so those three choices will only hear if you get accepted and then it, the decision goes to the first second and third so okay. the order that you choose matters and normally it, it's clear when you say that okay. on the application so your first choice will hear from you and if yeah. your first choice accepts you then the other two won't hear from you and then uh, and so forth usually is how what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, what is it happens yeah what happens, like what does it deny? So, you can look online and say specific requirements for the MIT program, and as you fill out the application, it kind of becomes apparent what are things they're looking for, so like, when they're asking questions about what your devotional life looks like, that's not meant to make you lie, and say like, my devotional life is four hours a day, and I fast every week, once a week, and I do this. don't lie, please, Um, because they're meant to, like, identify whether this will be a good thing or a bad thing for you, that's how I phrased that. Uh, It's not meant to be an exclusivist thing, so it's meant to be, will this be successful or not, by welcoming you in, so be honest. And so, like, questions like that, uh, they're going to ask questions about uh, your mental health, they're going to ask questions about um, uh, how long you've known the Lord for, uh, like, the status of certain addictions inside your life, things like that. Um, and so they make a judgment based on those things. Um, yeah. Does that help?
1: Oh. Yes. Um, is there like a cutoff for when, it's like age thing. Yeah. Um, like, like let's say I want to be an intern and some things come up after college. Oh, that's fine. So is there no, like...
0: No. Okay. No, there are people who have done the internship that have been like their 40s. Yeah, not, not, under, not under me though, that'd be weird. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, any other questions? Yeah? Can we like
1: contact you directly, like just chat or something? I have a couple other questions. Sure, yeah.
0: Yeah, if you have more questions, you can come up after our time today, and um, which I think is, it should be over. Um, and then uh, just come up, I can either give you my number or we can talk more. Um, so yeah, thank you all for your time. i really excited for the interest that you're showing in the CMIT program, so um, hopefully we'll see you apply, but if not, then hopefully this was helpful for helping you figure out where you are supposed to go. Well, thank you all.
1: Thank you.